gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Oh, the Bible is exciting. I, I don't know why people don't get excited about the Bible. It's better than the TV. It's better than the movies. It's better than the comic books and it's just the best. And all those things, they take something from you in a way. The Bible adds to you. And I think it's going to take away is a lot of evil thoughts and malice that you may have. And that verse there in Isaiah 50, we know right from jump that um, this Old Testament verse, it's a picture, it's a prophecy, it's a precursor to the Lord Jesus Christ before his physical incarnation on this earth. And what, what, what's, what's happening there in Isaiah 50, where the very hair is being plucked out of someone's face, just as it would later be pulled out of the face of Jesus. It's not an accident, it's not a coincidence, but it's coming right out and telling us how our Savior will be treated just before he was murdered for our sins. I was looking at Matthew chapter 26, and right there Jesus is being tried before some earthly authorities unlawfully and wickedly. Then he's found guilty wrongly. Chapter 26, verse 66 there. They said of Jesus, he is guilty of death. Why they say he's guilty of death? Because he said he was the Christ, the Son of God, and he was telling the truth. Verse 67, then they then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. We ain't talking about hibachi, that's a buffet. They buffeted him, buffet to, to buffet somebody. That means you're beating them like a pinball. You just knock them around bodily. They buffeted Jesus. They spit all on his face, and others slapped him in the face with the palm. The palms of their hands. They slapped him over and over again. And it's hard to think about that. And Mark 14 gives a similar account to Matthew 26. Now the actual word beard is not used in Isaiah 50, but you can see that someone's face, his cheeks are being offered up there to angry folks. Obviously we call it a beard when it's hair in somebody's face. These angry folks want to hurt them, humiliate them, and that humiliation comes from the beard being literally chucked out of his face in hunks. You know, when I was growing up in church and, and later, as a young man, I came across these passages. I thought it was simply about the pain of having someone's hair being pulled out of his head. I mean, that's bad enough, right? But no, that's, that's not all there is to it. I, I, that's what I found out. I got more seasoned in the faith, and I got more discernment on the words of God. That is the Bible. Now, over here, we check everything we do, say, think, believe, by the inspired, preserved King James Bible. At least that's the aim. What I came to see was the beard means a lot, both historically and biblically. A beard was important to men throughout history. A man shaving his head or and or face, that's a big deal to, to Jews. It's a big time event. It was, and I, I guess it still is. And I don't pretend to be an expert on these things. But I don't necessarily have to study all the history and culture of the Jew, Hebrew, Israel. I have the Bible in English, and God, he can give me the understanding I need. So that I can rightly divide the word. And where I'm wrong, I know the Lord is going to send somebody along to correct me biblically. If there's no one around to properly correct me, he's going to reveal what I need to know by the Spirit. Capital S Spirit. Holy Spirit. And the main point of this hour is the beard is a good thing. It's a godly thing. And that thing has been twisted up by the world by way of the devil. Same as every other good thing. That much I do know. We can see in 2 Samuel chapter 10, David's men were disrespected by Hanum. Look at that. 
H-A-N-U-N. I don't know how to say his name. Hanun. David's men got disrespected by Hanun. And the Bible says David's men had the one half of their beard shaved off and had their buttocks exposed by way of their garments cut off. And you'll notice if you keep reading that they felt their beard being messed up was a greater dishonor than being sent away naked. Look, David said to his men who were greatly ashamed right there, tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown and then return. That's why they were ashamed. Their beards. Now we know the Bible's every word has some meaning or significance. And this is not there accidentally. Joseph in um, Genesis 41, he was brought before Pharaoh out of the dungeon. The Bible says Joseph shaved himself before he came into Pharaoh. Why did he shave? Apparently the beard was distasteful to Pharaoh and Egyptian Moors or culture. In Egypt, most people know Egypt is a picture of the unsaved, God-hating world. This tells us that being clean-shaven is not as pleasing to the Lord as a beard in a general sense. Everybody with a beard is obviously not godly in our time. And everybody who's clean-shaven is not ungodly. But in a general sense, it seems that has been the way it has been throughout history. I mean, full disclosure, I'm usually clean-shaven. I'm clean-shaven now, except for a little stubble. Usually I maintain a little half-inch scrapple on my face. And everything I'm saying right now about the beard, biblically, that's relatively new information or for me. I don't even know if I can grow a beard, to be honest. I never tried. All I know is that my wife and my young children are pretty much annoyed by my facial hair. Be pushing me away when I'm trying to hug them. And that's usually why I keep most of the hair off my face. But I guess at some point I'm going to be convicted by this new knowledge that I'm getting right now. Which is that God seems to like a man with a beard. And I'll end up growing one despite what my closest loved ones feel about it. Or I may end up saying that God understands and is going to be permissive. And I'll just keep shaving what he gave me. So pray for me. Let me uh, flip gears for a moment. Jesus Christ was a man's man. What do I mean by man's man? I mean that these effeminate representations of Jesus that you see in, in the paintings and the movies and in other images, they're a bunch of lies, straight up lies. They are in, they've been created by antichrist liars who hate Jesus. You're just going to have to take that. And Jesus leaves no question that he was a real man, a strong man. No gender fluidity from him. The world is always trying to suggest otherwise. How do I know that he was a real man? Because Jesus doesn't contradict the Bible. He couldn't have had the long hair that you see in these depictions. Because the New Testament tells us it's a shame for men to have long hair. It doesn't leave room for culture or a natural tradition. It's just said plain right there. You know, I've been banned and struck down for saying what I just said. And I'm far from the only one. I'm in good company. All I said was, Jesus Christ is necessarily against the LGBT and all of his trappings and some of my uploads onto this interweb have been blocked, reported, and removed. Sometimes nobody even saw them. Just some kind of algorithm just deleted what I put up there. And the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. That's all that is. But what do I mean by Jesus was and is a man's man? Jesus is the Bible. He is the word. John chapter 1, the word was with God and the word was God. The Bible, which is to say God, which is to say Jesus Christ, says that the Lord made people one of two things, either male or female. You try to find a gray area in there if you want to. I'm just going to know that you got nothing but mud between your ears and a little bit vile stuff floating around in your heart. I'm going to know that you're either deceived or you're a deceiver when you react that way. Jesus references the Old Testament when he says that a man and a woman connect to make a marriage approved by God 
and they become one flesh. Right there in Genesis 2, woman was called so because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave her to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's Jesus talking. He said two separate people who are different come together as one. Not literally one person, not some male to female so-called transgender confusion twist in the scripture. But an illustration of a man and a woman moving around together, facing the Lord and the world is one in a figurative sense. And only a real man stands on that truth in front of the world in our day. You don't believe it? Just listen to what apostate preachers and fake Christians are standing on in our day. They're going the very opposite of that. Mostly because they're cowards and don't really believe the Bible. Or they believe it, but they won't say so before the world. I'm speaking right now during what the world calls Pride Month 2021. And it's plain to see that people are largely, they're either afraid to go against the course of the world, or they're just okay with what's going on. Only a real man, only a real woman is going to stand on the truth. Not their opinion, not what talking heads on the flat screen say, not quote-unquote social progressiveness, or whatever the phrase is today. And not in love, which is not true love. We understand that you love your neighbor, but sometimes true love is correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father the son in whom he delighted. You know, Jesus let wicked people drive nails through him. And no feminized so-called man would allow that if he could stop it. Even most of us real men would try to get out of that situation if we could. And Jesus could have stopped it. He could have called down angels to keep it from happening. You know, Jesus was a real man in a biblical sense. The point of everything that I'm saying there, that we do know that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he walked in the flesh on earth, had a beard. And he had short hair. Are you perverts? It doesn't necessarily make you a man's man if you have a beard. It doesn't hurt. You know, Jesus had a bunch of devil-influenced people pull hair out of his face. Just think about that. If I walked up and pulled one hair out of your scalp, you'll be irritated. You probably want to hit me or yell at me at least. Think about how a hunk of scalp hairs would feel. Think about a hunk out of your face or cheeks. Can you imagine what somebody's face would look like if a bunch of hunks were yanked out? Man, Jesus went through that and more. Jesus went through all that for you and me. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, with his stripes we are healed. Let me stop and give credit to Pastor Weaver. Brother Weaver, I was already meditating on the word as it relates to beards. Kind of making some, some mental notes about what I'm going to say right now. And I'm doing some word searches in the Bible. You know, I've listened to dozens or hundreds of sermons, preachers and pastors, in my life, I just enjoy preaching and teaching the word. I'm supposed to study to show myself approved. And sometimes I need a man standing up there and breaking it down for me. But I've never come across any sermon on the beard in the Bible until very recently. And it seemed like this brother's message on beards in the Bible and beards as they relate to the Lord himself. That sermon from him has seemed like it's been around for a while. The biblical significance of beards. Or the Lord's outlook on a man shaving his own face. And again, I don't necessarily need to be a graduate of Hebrew and Greek to get what God needs to hand down to me through this perfect, inspired, preserved Bible. I mean, this idea that the only the so-called original manuscripts of the Bible are accurate is it's another straight-up lie. I ask again, and I'm, I'm going to keep on asking this. Nobody can answer me yet. Why would the Lord... Now, if you read the Bible, you know that he's for the common man and woman. He knows that the people who don't really have a lot, who have nothing, who have just enough by his grace. Those are the ones who are truly worshiping him. 
So why would God require that average working person taking care of a family to go and study these dead languages, to go and sit on a seminary trained Bible deniers, in a lot of cases, in order to get what he needs spiritually? No, God's going to give us a Bible in English, a language we actually speak in our day, the most popular language in the world, the international language. No one disagrees with that. In those days, Hebrew and Greek were, in effect, the international languages as time passed. Now it's English. It just makes sense to me. He's going to give us a Bible in English in his foresight and complete wisdom. Psalm 12, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. That's not talking about people, which I pray people interpret Psalm 12 is talking about. Psalm 12, 6 or 7, I think it is. It's not talking about people. Except maybe as an illustration, that's talking about the words of God. It's talking about the Bible. He's going to preserve it for all generations forever. From that generation when it was spoken forever. He ain't getting rid of that Bible. Many people try. What I see in this book, this Bible, is that a man's beard is historically, biblically important for at least several reasons. And the beard is something that's unique to men. And we've all heard of somebody swearing by his own beard, which is where the three little pigs, not by the hairs of my chinny chin chin, comes from. The beard gives a distinction between male and female. Now, I understand with hormone treatments and these kind of things, that can, there can be exceptions to that. But naturally, the man grows a beard. And then connected to those things is that a man's face being partially covered by hair, it potentially keeps less down when he's dealing with women or, or other men here in 2021. Then there's a the fact that beardless men in societies were and are against God in a general sense, as we mentioned earlier. With Joseph shaving to be approved a bit more by Pharaoh. Seems Pharaoh and most of the people in Egyptian culture and similar cultures that went against the God of the Bible, they shaved their face. That was part of the part of their mark. You know, having a beard doesn't make you a manly man. I know that. Having a beard doesn't make you a man godly. But a beard is a mark of manhood. You see how proud young men get, young boys get when they get a little what they call peach fuzz. That's a big thing. And for good reason. Now you're going to notice that the full beard has become popular in the, I guess, the 2010s and early 2020s here. It's a, masquer it's a fashion statement masquerading as manhood in, in a lot of cases. These males you see walking around today, they got these giant beards. But some of them, they're as fey as they can be. Fey. F-E-Y. Soft. Cream puff. These giant males, they're towering over everybody. And they're about as soft and sweet as a potato pie. Where's the masculinity at, man? Well, the world under control of the devil tells us that masculinity is toxic. Tells us that there's another definition of being a man. And that conditioning is coming from all angles 24-7. And it's trickled down on all of our heads. Most of us have taken it willingly and will fight for it. And all the women are bulked up, doing CrossFit, bold, being encouraged to form corporations, all this. Have it all. Meanwhile, the men, the young men, or older men now, they're weak physically, spiritually, mentally, can't lick you in the eye. I mean, I grew up in the 1980s and 90s. Up until that time, there would be these movies, TV, of the bearded lady, like in a circus. Back then, it was just something to laugh at or be disgusted and fascinated by. And I understand that kind of mixing, gender bending. It goes way back before anything, way back before TV. 
I know that's really old. I think we don't realize how old this stuff is. It really goes back to the garden when Eve was trying to supplant Adam as the head of the family. That's where the gender bending really started. Through all these years, all these centuries and generations, the beard for a number of guys has been just another put on. And it is today. It's just a put on. Remember that term beard as it applies to gay men who pretend to have a woman or as a wife or girlfriend? Like they both know the guy's gay. He's a sodomite. He's an active sodomite. And they're out to trick people, basically. That's basically the bottom line. That's why some people think I go hard about men pretending to be women or women pretending to be men. The reason is, it does make me angry. Not that I hate them, but they're lying. Like, just from the moment you meet them, they're lying to you. How can you not be angry at somebody who's lying to you, right to your face? They want to deceive you. The man looking like a woman, he wants to trick you, guys. He wants you to lust after him, but he's not a woman. He's just straight up lying to you. But if he's not dressing up like a woman, he's a man who likes men. He's not going to change his appearance like that, but he's going to drag a woman along who might not even be a woman. And that's his beard. She's his beard. He's, she's his cover to make him look like he was what we call straight. So he can fit into society. I guess straight, straight is, what do they call it, cisgender? Got to make up some new name for straight people. Cisgender, I think that's the word. And this guy's got a beard to fit into society. But now society is openly sodomite. It's openly gay. Like it's, it's okay now. Being a cisgender is what's wrong. Being straight is what's wrong now. All this stuff is right up in the face. And these people, the sodomite bullies, I call them, they don't understand that they complain about being oppressed through all these years. But now they're oppressing people. Now you can't say anything or have an opinion that differs from what's going on. They're the bullies now. And they and their supporters, they'll say that this is a good thing or it's justified. This is what the other people like who are like me are called black, quote unquote, black Americans. It's the same thing where they're saying we've been hurt over time in history. So now that we got a chance to jab at the people who we say are hurting us or have hurt us, it's justified now because, hey, they hurt us before. They hurt our ancestors. So now we're going to turn around and it's justified because we were hurt. So now we can hurt them and you can't say anything about it. And it's a good thing now that we're hurting them and putting them down. And I don't understand that reasoning. I think is really wicked kind of thinking. I mean, as far as people being oppressed in the past or what they used to call gay bashing, they don't even use that term anymore, if you, if you notice. Because people are not going to bash any gays now. Because they either agree with it or... If they did do anything to an LGBT person, the weight of everything like media, the law, and social pressures are going to come down on that person. And if they did it in the past, I mean, I don't like knowing about somebody claiming to stand for the Lord hurting gay people. Because these are New Testament times. We, we as real believers aren't to harm open sinners like these. We're meant to witness to them to be representatives of Jesus on this earth. To be kind, but not necessarily nice. Telling the truth is kind but not necessarily nice. There's definitely nothing wrong with a man having a beard. Nothing wrong with Christian men having beards, of course. Of course not. We just must make sure, as believers, that we aren't trying to follow the world's fashion trends, trying to look like lost folks in order to fit in with the times. The times say the beard is big now, but weak, soft men have beards too. Sodomites have beards too. Remember Peter, as Jesus was being led away after... Judas had betrayed him. And Peter was following at a distance. 
Peter was a true believer. He was a real Christian before that term Christian was first used there in Acts. But here in Matthew 26, verse 58, he's following Jesus at a distance. Look there. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's place, the high priest's palace, afraid to be identified with the Lord Jesus. That's a picture of some church people today, or probably most people in the churches. You know, we appreciate four beards, most of us. We have an admiration for it. There's likely a reason for that. Could be it's built into us. Could be we know on some level what God likes, even if we deny that we know, so that we can then go about going against it. So right now we're just going to pray that we don't intentionally ignore what pleases the Lord. We don't want to sidestep that. We're praying that we don't get used to following Jesus at a distance because we could get caught there. Like Peter was caught by all the people accusing him by the fire. They knew he was with Jesus. We want God to help us see who hates him. Help us remove ourselves from these people with our biblical separation in the world but not of it. We ask him to direct us to the Bible for the answers to everything and give us a hunger to open the book and read it and then walk by its light.